Thank you for tuning in. It's Saturday night. You could be a lot of places doing a lot of things, but you're here tuned in to the show tonight. And I want to welcome you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for tuning in. I believe the anointing and the spirit of God is going to be upon this broadcast. And so what I need from you is I need you to go ahead and join your faith up with us tonight. And you might need a touch from God, a healing in your body. You might have some type of sickness. Maybe you're sitting in the hospital by a radio or your iPhone or whatever mechanism that you have. And you're saying and crying out from your heart, Lord, I need you to touch me where I'm at. I need your power. I need your healing to be ministered to me. And I just want to encourage you tonight. I'm going to share with you about this, that the Bible says that if the hope that we have is in this life, then we're men most miserable. You have a hope on the other side of eternity, and God wants to meet you with that tonight and give you part of that inheritance right now. He wants to bless you, and part of that inheritance is healing in your body. Part of that inheritance is restoration to your mind, or if you have a heavy spirit of guilt on you tonight. We're going to pray tonight and believe God that by the end of this broadcast, that thing is totally lifted from your body. God hasn't called you to be walked around in guilt. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Scripture that you have been gotten again unto a lively hope. So there should be in your life hope that is afloat in your heart. You know, uh, before we really get in tonight, I want to exhort you with this. Uh, I was getting ready this morning, and the Spirit of God uh, placed this on my heart, and that is many times you think as a believer that you're getting gypped. You say, why is it that the wicked prosper? I believe that's Psalm 72. People see that there's people that don't even pay any attention to God, and they're successful in doing things that you say, I'm a Christian, I'm giving things up, I'm denying the flesh, I'm obeying the Word of God, and here it goes the sinner, and the sinner is prospering. But listen, the sinner doesn't have another hope. He doesn't have the availability that you have. He doesn't have the access to God. He doesn't have it. He can have it, but he doesn't. And that makes him a sinner. So you have more power on the other side of eternity. You have more help in the spirit. So you should rejoice tonight that your hope is greater than theirs. You know, I, my dad used to tell me, I'd say, I'd complain about certain things and say, why this, why that? He'd say, today. It looks like that today, but what about tomorrow? And tomorrow exists. And guess what, friend? You don't know. God can do something suddenly for you. And he desires to do it. He's trying to get you your healing and your deliverance to you today. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost tonight. So don't touch that broadcast. What are you going to turn to? Another station playing Christmas music or something? We'll play a Christmas song halfway through just to make you happy. But you know what? This is where the power of God is flowing. This is where the Holy Ghost is flowing tonight. So stay on this broadcast. You're going to receive an impartation of the Spirit. It's going to become infectious. It's going to get on you and things are going to change. Maybe you've never heard this broadcast before. You say, who is this guy preaching on the radio? Well, it doesn't matter. It's the Holy Ghost talking to you. Okay, let me say this tonight before we get started, that we want to thank all of our partners. We're a partner-supported broadcast, so if you desire to say who is this guy and what is he preaching, you can go to www.chrispalmerministries.com and you can support us. We're going to be doing more services in the Detroit area in 2014. So we did five last year and we're going to do more coming up in the uh, you know, late winter. And so uh, God bless you and www.chrispalmerministries.com. You can support us, you can partner with us, and you can find out about us. Also, we want to thank everybody that came out to the Believer's Journey. People said to me, was last week's show a rerun? It was our first rerun we ever did, and I don't like to do reruns, but 
I needed a rest. I was tired. Uh, so thank you for coming out to Believer's Journey. Many people were touched by the power of God. We were sending a street evangelism team out there while we were preaching, and they would come back at the end of the sermon with testimonies. People got healed in the mall of diseases and pain in their body. God was moving. And this is just the beginning of what God's going to do. Uh, so we thank everybody that came out. Thank our evangelists that came up. We thank our Greater Than Dreams church as well. Okay. Also, do you have the book, The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation? It's available on Amazon.com. I wrote it. It'll be a blessing to you. It's very powerful. There's a lot of deep truths in there. And um, there'll be a blessing to you. People have read it and have said, this book, I wish I had something like this earlier in my ministry or earlier in my life. And uh, so I penned it for people like yourself to pick it up. It's got a lot in there. It's got a lot of meat. If you're a preacher, there's a lot of stuff you can take out of there and preach. Okay, let me pray tonight, and we're going to get in to what I want to share tonight. I feel God moving. I'm sitting in this studio. I just feel His power. So powerful. God's going to set people free tonight of mental disorders. If you have some type of problem in your mind, some of you are listening to me, you're very offended about everything. God's going to deliver you from that tonight. The proclivity in you to be offended about things. Every time someone does something to you and you just rubs you the wrong way, you get distraught. You just, your whole world falls apart. God's going to take that thing from you tonight if you'll surrender it to him. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for your spirit. I feel your presence tonight. Thank you, Father, for your presence. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the anointing of God. I pray right now if everybody listening to this broadcast, my brother or sister who's listening, I pray you flood their car, flood their home, flood their church. Wherever they're at, flood them today with your presence, with your spirit. I pray that you would draw nigh unto them right now in the name of Jesus and that you would have mercy upon them, that you would deliver them from whatever they need deliverance for, God. I pray that they get a touch from eternity. You're somebody, you're listening, you're in a hospital bed, you have a problem with, uh, I see you in, in, inside, it's maybe your stomach or your lungs, it's in your torso or one of those areas. Be free from that in the name of Jesus. I come against the problem. The doctors don't know what it is. And Father, I pray you stick your hand of healing down and touch them in the name of Jesus. And I praise you for it, God. I pray people that are battling thoughts of suicide on this broadcast, listening in Jesus' name, I break that spirit of suicide over them and I command that spirit to leave their body, to leave their mind, to leave their home, to go. I pray people that may feel that their homes are haunted, you can't go to sleep at night. You're tormented. In the name of Jesus, I command peace in your home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to talk to you tonight about the hope that you have in Christ. I want to read to you what it says here in Colossians. Now, as a preacher, I get questions from people all the time who are believers. And as I was just saying, why? They say, why is it that I don't feel I'm prospering as much as the unbeliever does? And I want to show you something tonight from the Word of God. And this is a side of the gospel that needs to be preached. Because it's no less than the side now. Yes, God wants you to prosper. Yes, God wants you to be in hell. Third John 2. Yes, that he wants you to abound in all good things. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 10. But he also wants you to see the big picture of things. And listen, when you see the big picture of what God has for you, there will be power in your walk. There will be a hope that cannot be extinguished. And you will always maintain a fresh feeling of the Holy Ghost. 
You say, well, I want that. Well, of course. You know, you need to continually be being filled with the Holy Ghost. They got filled in Acts chapter 2, but in 31st chapter, 34th chapter, 31st verse of Acts chapter 4, it says that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Same people that got filled. It's a refilling day after day, being full of the Spirit. And this revelation that I'm going to show you tonight is going to help you. Colossians 3, 24 says, uh, Knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So there is a reception that's going to take place, and this is the reception of your inheritance. So the question becomes, well, what is this inheritance that God has for me? But before I show you that tonight, Galatians 3.29, it says, uh, well, uh, verse uh, 29, Galatians 3. And if you be Christ, so if you're in Christ today, you say, how do I know if I'm in Christ? Well, do you believe he died on the cross? Yes. Do you believe he came in the flesh? Yes. Do you believe he's the son of God? Yes. Do you believe he's the only way to the Father? Yes. Have you asked him to be your Lord and Savior? Yes. If you believe that in your heart, then you belong to Christ. Do you have the fruit of the Spirit in manifestation in your life? Yes. Well, then be confident. That's the proof. That's the proof when you have that fruit in your life. Now, it says if you be Christ. See, I can't get off. I'm trying to get off the subject. God won't let me. This is going to be powerful tonight. If you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So Galatians 3.29 tells you right here that you are an heir. Well, Brother Palmer, I can't receive that. I just want to be humble. No, no, no. The Bible says you are an heir. Galatians 3.24 tells you you're an heir that has an inheritance. So the question becomes, what is it that you now standing at in the family of God, being a child of God and a son of God, what is it that you are going to inherit and how much of that can you inherit in this life and how much of it is awaiting for you to inherit in the next life? Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12. Now listen, I'm going to say this. I'm all about receiving as much of my inheritance as I can today. Okay? I don't believe that God has planned everything. Because if God planned every... Some people out there say, oh, God's planned every event. Well, then he planned 9-11. Then he planned the Holocaust. Then he planned Pearl Harbor. Then he planned every war that's ever taken place on the face of the earth. And he's responsible for the deaths of millions and millions of people. I believe that God gave man free will and that that doesn't take away from God's sovereignty absolutely one bit because God is sovereign over his own sovereignty. With that stated, let me make this assertion that as you as a child of God are going to walk in your inheritance, you are the steward of how much of that inheritance that you want to walk in. God has planned for you to have health. God has planned for you to be uh, prosperous in your life. You say, no, he hasn't. Well, you won't be saying that once your business starts going under. Then you have to be looking for God and his help. So don't say that. You think about it, you know, as someone that ministers to people, People say, well, God wants some of us not to be prosperous, Reverend Palmer. Well, you know what? It's easy for you to say. But what about when the people come to me and their businesses aren't doing good? Should I just tell them, well, you need to just allow your business to tank because this is God teaching you how to have glory. No, that's not it. God doesn't get glory when his people fail. God gets glory when you follow the voice of the Spirit. God gets glory when you are charged by his Spirit to prosper. And in that prospering, you show God honor. How much more glory does God get when you prosper and then you honor God with your humility rather than fail and be on the borderline of cursing God? 
That's what most people do. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Okay, now I'm going to talk to you tonight. I'm going to get into talking about suffering tonight because a lot of times believers, they want to talk too much about it and they go to the extremes of suffering and they think that all sickness is from God and all disease is from God. That's not true because Jesus didn't put it on anybody. You would think that if it was of God, that in just one chapter, Jesus put disease on people. And of course, they give you John 9. They say, well, you know, the guy was blind. This is to the glory of God, his blindness. Well, he was healed. He wouldn't have been to the glory of God if he walked away and left them blind. Okay, so I want to talk to you a little bit about suffering. I want to talk to you about the place it has in the believer's life. But let me say a few statements before we each actually get into that. I want to say this tonight. The very first thing the Holy Spirit will do in your life when you get him and he begins to um, get a hold of your life and produce an image inside of you of what you've been called to is he's going to start painting a picture of the inheritance that you have. This is because you're an heir. And he is supposed to take everything that you've been called to and enhance it. So when you start seeing pride or arrogance or anger in your life and that becomes something big in your life, that's not the Holy Ghost painting that picture. His job is to come along, paint a picture of Jesus in your heart, give you an idea of who he is, and to also teach to you who you are as an heir and show you your inheritance. And so when you, the reason he does this is because when you... Uh, know the depths of your inheritance, it makes your faith in God richer. It makes it deeper. There's a difference between a believer and an, 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 another believer. One of them got power in their life. The other one never gets their prayer answered. You say, why is the person getting their prayer answered and this person's not? Well, one of them knows their inheritance. The other one doesn't. Why are some people think God is so mean and that he's not a nice God? He's got a lightning bolt ready to stuff it up someone's nose every time they do something wrong. This is because they don't understand sonship. They have a negative view of God and they definitely don't see themselves as somebody that is an heir standing to inherit. So we have to see biblically what is the inheritance that we have and it's powerful. You know, I talk to Christians many times, and this is the average believer's view. And at least they know Jesus. Thank God for that. But the whole Bible is not just about getting saved. Did you know that? Did you know that there's a lot in there about salvation? But there's a whole lot more after salvation that you're promised within that salvation that the Bible talks about? They say, well, brother, when we die, we go to heaven and we live with God. Well... I guess if you want to simplify that, but sometimes you say, do you know that there's a millennial reign of Jesus that you rule and reign with him? Do you know about the new heaven and the new earth that we await that comes down from heaven? Do you know the second coming of Christ? Do you know about the resurrection of the body? Do you know about the eternal ages that are to come? No. Well, listen, you don't need, if you don't know that, you can still go to heaven, but you won't have a strong faith. You won't have a rich picture of what God has called you for. And you might not even want to continue walking the straight and narrow because you don't see what it's leading to. Say, how you walk the straight and narrow for so long? Because I know where that road is going. I know what it's leading me to. It's powerful. There's, I mean, there's a massive inheritance. Listen, I can be successful in this life. I can hit my pre 
destined destiny that God has called me to. I can walk in love with people. And it'll be great. And I can have fulfill everything God's called me to do. But that pales in comparison to the inheritance that I'm going to receive when I step out of this body and kiss it goodbye for the last time. There's something that's waiting for me. I'm going to talk about it in just a minute. When you know the depths of your inheritance, your worship becomes deeper. Your outlook becomes more joyful. I didn't say positive. Joyful. And your hope becomes more enduring. You know sometimes when people need more joy in their life, they're looking for circumstances to change. They're saying, I need more joy. Maybe this will change. Well, if it doesn't change, if it's outside of something that God can do, maybe it's something in someone's heart that needs to change and may never change. Well, how can you expect God to give you more joy? How about he change your outlook on a few things supernaturally by his spirit? That will give you more joy. So if you fail to acknowledge the depths of your inheritance, your hope and your faith in believing are going to get weak and they're going to fail. In Timothy, it's called shipwrecked faith. It's when you get your eyes off of the hope that you have that awaits for you as a child of God. You get it on the things of the world and you fail to realize that you are just a pilgrim passing through this life. You've got nothing here. You're not taking nothing with you, friend. So the only thing you're going to take with you is your faith, your hope, and the love that you have for the people of God. You're not taking spiritual gifts with you. Those will be abolished in heaven. No need for that because those are just a manifestation of God here on the earth today in the imperfect fallen world. Okay, let me say this. As a believer, your inheritance has been extended to you today. It's important to know. You say, there's people, they are just waiting for their inheritance. They sit around and they think that God's called them to be in a state of suffering. And they think that God made them to be cursed and they're upset. Oh, I'm just waiting for God to take me home. No, no, no. The Bible says in verse number 7 of Galatians chapter 4, uh, well, verse number 6 says, because you are sons. Now, you're a son now. You're a daughter of God. God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. That's the spirit of sonship. The same way that Jesus cried, Father, is the same way that you now, as a child of God, cry, Father. And it's the Holy Spirit's job to make this stronger and stronger in your heart. I'll give you an example. You first got born again, you're in a grocery store. You're thinking about God, calling him Father. You go and drive into work, you're calling God Father. You are, no matter where you're at, you're at home with your family, you're with your wife, you're with your spouse, calling God Father because there's a, such a strong witness at first. And then if you don't renew your mind, you allow a couple months, weeks, years to go by, you're no longer calling him Father. You know he's your Father, but the witness isn't there. That may be because you shut the Holy Spirit's operation down because he's supposed to produce it and make that witness stronger and stronger. You should get out of bed in the morning. Father, you should be in the shower. Father, you should go to prayer. If someone says, pray for me, my knee hurts, you should say, let's go to the Father. Well, I thought we're going to God. No, we're going to my Father. Well, I don't believe in God. Well, he's my Father, and I'm praying for you, and I'm going to call him Father because that's what God delights in. When God hears you say, Father, God goes, yes. That's my daughter. That's my child listening to me. Hallelujah. So much of your success and how much you receive of your inheritance is determined upon how strong 
of a witness that you have that he is your father. Okay. So it's the delight of the father to see his children living under the inheritance that he has provided for you. I'm going to say this. When you're a rebel, you deny the inheritance that God's trying to give you because you're rebellious. You think that you're going to get more attention from God by denying the things that God privileges himself to give you. So it's important to understand. Let me say this because I want to talk about the inheritance that we have on this side because we talk about that. We'll talk briefly about it. But I want you to understand the inheritance that, you, that has been extended to you today. All of it. It's such a big inheritance. It's so massive in size that all of your inheritance as a child of God cannot be touched and experienced here in this life. I want to read this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, verse number uh, 18 says, Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. And it says, in, in this life we only have hope in Christ. We are of men most miserable. I'm going to read it like this, because what do you hope for? Your inheritance. So I'm going to say, if in this life only we have inheritance in Christ, we are of men most miserable. But no, you're going to see that we have hope in the next life. Yes, brother, that's heaven. No, it it, it is, but let's go deeper than that tonight. Can we do that? Go a little bit deeper? Okay. So as a believer, this is the exciting thing. You live in two realms. You finish your time in this realm, and you will live on the other side of this realm after. But the thing about it is your inheritance goes in this realm, and it goes into the next. It's a double-sided inheritance, same inheritance, and it encompasses two realms. This should make you excited. That's why Paul says we're not like those that mourn who have no hope in Thessalonians. Because people that, see, you take two rich people. One is Christian, one is not Christian. One is honors God, one does not honor God. One does righteousness, one is a, not, a, not a lover of righteousness. And... One, they both die. The one that doesn't know God, his family has a reason to mourn because he's gone. Bye. He is going to spend his eternity separated from God in hell. Then you have a believer that honors God and is rich. He goes down. His family, though they can be sad, they don't have a reason to mourn like the rest of the world because they know that he is Enjoying the next portion of his inheritance in heaven, and time has not stopped. See, we think that death is a something that annihilates. It doesn't annihilate. Death just separates. It separates you from this realm, your spirit from your body. So that doesn't make you disappear. It just gets you further into your inheritance. Because if you stayed in this body the rest of your life, there's part of your inheritance for the rest of eternity. There's part of your inheritance you'll never touch because it's not for you to have in this body. Okay. So the greatest portion of your inheritance is waiting for you on the other side of life. Now, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Easier said than done. I'm teaching this to you tonight so you understand. It's Christmas time. 
people are all getting Christmas time. Hey, you know, for most people, it's Christmas. For Kohl's and Target, it started Christmas time in September. But most people are getting that mindset today. Well, you know, Christmas, I was explaining to someone the other day, Christmas time is the saddest time of the year for a lot of people because the songs remind you of when you were a young child and it just has a way of reminding you of your family. And if you're not happy in life, it's going to be an unhappy time. You think, oh, I remember 10 Christmases ago, life was good. Now it stinks. And I remember, and, and, and you know, you get together with your family on Christmas, most people at least, and if there's certain people that are not with you this Christmas. And it's sad. And I understand. It's okay to be sad. But it's not okay to mourn. When you understand that the greatest portion of that person that died, if they're in Christ, their inheritance is, was waiting for them when they died. So you can take comfort and hope in knowing that. Because this is a truth, and I want to show you in Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. And I'm going to spend time talking about Romans 8 because it cannot be understood. Romans 8 can't be understood unless you consider the two sides of your inheritance. The side you get now and the side you uh, is waiting for you after you die or after Jesus comes. Death does not have the power to negate your inheritance. Now that's powerful. Because listen, an unbeliever, death negates everything they worked hard for. You know, there's billionaires that die with billions of dollars in the bank and nobody ever touches it. You think all their genius, all their hard work, their innovativeness, and they died never spending that money. And you know what? They don't care because everything they could spend their money on, they did. And they still were like, money was like, you know, you go to a Thanksgiving dinner or whatever, you eat all that food, your stomach's full, you don't even want to look at food. There's a lot of times what happens to rich people. They have everything they could possibly want and money is, doesn't impress them no more. But if they're outside of Christ, as much money as they died with in the bank, it never benefited them and death cut them off from the only reward that they had in this life and that was what they had in their bank accounts or whatever, or their fame that they had, or their success. And yes, they may have left a legacy, but guess what? When Jesus comes to rule and reign, whose legacy are we going to even be paying attention to? So, they cut them off. But if you die in Christ, your inheritance can't be cut off by death. Because when you accept Jesus into your heart, you die unto death. And then... When you die with Jesus in your heart, you then pass over into life. So the death you die, the only dying you do as a believer is when you die to the old man. And death for the believer is not death, it is stepping into greater life. That's what makes it so powerful. That's why Paul said, death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? You mean to tell me? I was reading early Christian literature. This is powerful. This is powerful. This is so powerful. Listen. Early Christian literature, there was the Bishop of Antioch. His name was Ignatius. Ignatius had a friend. His name was Polycarp. The two of them were both disciples of the Apostle John. They were his close disciples. There was a time of persecution that arose in Ignatius' time. The first persecution under the Emperor Nero. Before Christianity, uh, when it first started, it wasn't persecuted right away. It was seen as a sect of Judaism. 
the Roman government saw that the Christians were just a branch of Jews that believed the Messiah had come. And then something happened, and the Jews came along, and the high priest, and they began denouncing Christians as a separate religion because Judaism was protected under the Roman government, but Christianity was not. Caesar made exceptions for the Jews in Judea. He didn't make exceptions for the Christians. So persecution happened. Well, there was believers getting persecuted, but not all believers were getting persecuted. As a matter of fact, the ones that the Roman government was going for was the top Christians, people that had the label of bishop, people that had the label of, well, first they went for the apostles, but under the apostles there was the bishops. And so it was supposed to be the apostles were over the bishops, the bishops were over the presbyters, which were the elders and the deacons, and the people were submissive to that. There was a rule. Well, they started going for the apostles. When the apostles had died, they started going for the bishops. And Polycarp and Ignatius were bishops. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna. Ignatius was the bishop of Antioch. And they started writing letters back and forth. And they said this concerning persecution and suffering. That there, I don't have the exact quotes in front of me. I, could, I should have brought them. I didn't know I was going to teach this. They said that there were certain elect that were called to undergo persecution. That means not everybody was going to go through that persecution. Remember, the Apostle John, he didn't go through persecution. But the other ten disciples, probably eleven including Matthias, they did. And he said that God will give us grace. But the thing that's so powerful is that they said that anybody that went and looked for persecution without being called to persecution did not die in honor. That when the beasts were let loose upon them, they ran from them, they screamed, they kicked, and it was a horrible death and it brought shame to the name of Christ. Because once those beasts were loose, they gave up their testimony of Jesus. Ignatius said in one of his letters that when the beasts are let loose upon him, that he is going to run towards them and provoke them to kill him. And he said, and even if they're not hungry, because during Roman times, sometimes the beasts were let loose on gladiators and soldiers or whoever, prisoners and slaves, and the beasts were not hungry. They didn't want to eat them. So Ignatius says, even if they're not hungry, I'm going to go provoke them to kill me. And this is why. Number one, he believed he was called to martyrdom, and it was his time to go. And he wrote to Polycarp, and he told Polycarp, don't let the church at Smyrna try to get me out of this persecution. My time has come. And then he said, I will go and I am ready to lay this life down because I have an inheritance that awaits me. So why is it that Polycarp, he welcomed death? It's because the inheritance that he had that awaited him was something in him that was living. It was powerful. It was something that outshined death. And he didn't see death the way that a normal person sees it. He saw that death was entrance into life. And that's what every believer needs to see about Jesus. Now I'm not, there's probably nobody listening to this radio program that got us calling into martyrdom. We're not under persecution in America. Don't despise that. You should be thankful. You should be glad that you're allowed to go to church. And that doesn't mean that you are any less than somebody that's in China right now that's dying for their faith. God gives grace to everyone. But listen, so you shouldn't go and say, well, I'm going to go die for Jesus. You have not been called to that. 
What you should understand is that this gives you all the more time to allow the inheritance that God has left for you to build up in your heart. Friend, get your eyes off this life. Let's all get our eyes off this life. Let's come to understand that as great as the life that we're living in, as great as the privileges that we have, that the greatest inheritance that we have is not in this world, it is in Jesus. And Paul was saying, if you suffer with Christ, for the name of Christ. Now, let me stop and say this, because I'm going to talk about this in just a minute. Many people say, well, you know, Brother Palmer, um, God gave me this cancer because he wants me to suffer with him. No, don't even start with that. Well, you know, he just makes me poverty because in my... Po- don't start with that. The suffering of the believer that Paul writes about is suffering for his name's sake. We well, see that in First Peter chapter 1. Verse 3 and 4 in 1 Peter, that's really found in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. It wasn't suffering sickness. It wasn't suffering disease. That's not in the Bible. It doesn't say that. Well, Brother Palmer, the Apostle Paul, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that he had shipwreck and he got, he didn't say cancer. Yeah, but he had a thorn in the flesh. It was a messenger of Satan. You can't find that. Yes, but what about Paul's sufferings? Paul's sufferings were because of the gospel. There's people that don't even preach the gospel that are out there saying that sickness is killing me. You're not even preaching the gospel. You're not suffering for the name of Christ. That's not suffering. And here it is. If cancer is suffering for the name of Christ or AIDS or whatever you think you got that Jesus put on you or, or tuberculosis or whatever, back pain, the, the unbeliever has that stuff. The unbeliever tonight is in Beaumont. The unbeliever is in Henry Ford Hospital. They're in those hospitals tonight suffering with the same thing. So it doesn't distinguish you from Christ. What distinguishes you from suffering with Christ is this when they laugh at you and mock you and ridicule you. St. Ignatius said that Christianity is only good when the world hates it and is useless when the world loves it. So what makes you powerful is when you suffer for the name of Jesus because when you suffer for his name, he provides you grace to continue suffering for him. Why? Because he is more interested in you getting your inheritance than you are. Powerful stuff tonight. You will suffer in this life, but for the name of Christ. That means you could be rich and still have to suffer. You know who does suffering? Tim Tebow. Nobody wants to put him on any football team. They don't even want to hire him in Jacksonville, where he's from, because he's a believer. You remember two years ago? He's playing on the Broncos. Miracle games get the Broncos farther than they were expected. John Elway fires him, and John Elway gets rid of him. Why? And that was before they even had Peyton Manning. Why? Because he's a Christian. And anybody that is going to, you know, the Christian, the, the world loves Christians. The world loves Christians that, that will live in sin, that will compromise. The world says, oh, you're really a cool Christian. You go out there and get drunk. You go out there and look at pornography. You go out there and you fornicate. Yeah, you're really a good Christian. This is the kind of Jesus I want to serve. And the world loves it. And God despises that. Because God wants people to live holy. The world hates those kind of Christians. They hate to think that there's somebody that has a power that can cause them to live righteously in this world. My God. And those are the people that are going to receive grace from God. Are the ones that say, Jesus, you suffered price for me. You died on my behalf and suffered shame for me. I gladly suffer shame for you. And just like God gave 
Jesus grace when he was upon the cross. God will give you grace in whatever area of suffering that you are called to for his name's sake. This is what it says. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's the power. So whatever suffering, you're suffering for his name. Maybe they don't like you at school, whatever. Even maybe you listen to this broadcast in another country and you are under a persecution. It's not going to be worth the glory that you have that is coming up. We're going to do a Christmas song tonight. That will lighten the mood a little bit. I know we got a little serious. Stay tuned. Enjoy the Christmas song. And we'll be back on The Transforming Truth. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies With the angelic host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Born to give them second birth We're back here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast tonight. We're talking about suffering. Before we get back in, I want to remind our listeners, we are a partner-supported broadcast, which means that we, are, uh, we operate our ministry based upon the kindness and the gentleness and the, uh, the generosity. That's what I'm looking for, the generosity of the people. And so if you're desiring to partner with Chris Palmer Ministries and the Transforming Truth broadcast, we want you to take a minute, go to www. ChrisPalmerMinistries.com, and you can pray for us and keep us in your prayers. We need your prayers, and we also need your financial support. It says in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance, the first fruit of thy increase, and your barns will be filled with plenty, and your presses will burst out with new wine. We're going to be going and preaching the Word of God uh, in several different countries coming up, and uh, we'll be gone most of the winter. So we ask for your generous support to enable us to do this. It'll be a blessing it says, honor the Lord with thy substance. Your giving financially is a form of worship. It's how you worship God. You show God what's most important to you. Jesus says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So whatever your treasure is, whatever you count precious to you, if you count money precious to you when you're willing to offer it to God, it's a form of worship. And as a result, God gives back to you and blesses you because of it. 
Also, The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation is available. Amazon.com. Type Chris Palmer and it will bless your life. Amen. And, uh, well, praise the Lord. We ask you to, uh, if you want to contact us, info at chrispalmerministries.com. You know, we get unkind emails from listeners. I just want to say this. If you're listening and you disagree with things that we're teaching, you're not going to get a response from the ministry uh, with unkind emails. We don't respond to theological issues. We're not here to do theological issues. If you want to get involved in theological issues, there's Bible colleges and seminars you can go to that deal with that. Our lane is to lift people up. And we realize not everybody's going to agree with us on everything that we say. And we love you. So if you sent those emails to us, you didn't get a response. I love you. God bless you. And may God continue to uh, direct your course as he's directing mine. And you're my brother and my sister. Okay. Let me finish saying this tonight. We talked about Romans chapter 8. And we said that the earnest... Okay, it says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. This right here, verse 18 of Romans chapter 8, is talking about the inheritance that you are not going to touch in this life. And he's talking about that when it comes to suffering. And he says, for the earnest expectation of the creature, he waits. It waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. What is he talking about right here when he says the manifestations of the sons of God? Well, Many people think they believe in something called dominionism, that Christians are just going to be power, become so powerful and take over the world. Well, that's a part of a theology where you believe that there's no millennial reign of Christ. And that's not necessarily what I believe. I believe when it talks about, in Romans chapter 8, is it says here in verse number 11, but the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. That's the, that's the spirit of sonship. That's the, that because the Father raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Ghost didn't do it. The Father did it. He that raised up Christ from the dead, the Lord, the Father, he'll quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. He's talking about resurrection right here. And then he gets down here and says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Why aren't we debtors after the flesh? Oh, it's powerful. Because that flesh that you have right now, look at your hands, look at your fingers, look at those ingrown toenails that you have, that is all going to be put down and is going to go to the earth. For if you live after the flesh in light of the fact that it's going to die, you're going to die. But if you, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. It says, so it's talking about resurrection right here. And that's why he says the sufferings of this present world. That it says, well, verse number 17 says, of children and heirs. Look at this. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. So you're a child now, living in this body. Absolutely. And in this body, you are suffering. But that's okay. Because the sufferings that you experience now, this body is going to be put off and you are going to receive an inheritance that nobody can ever persecute again. And that is what we're waiting for, the manifestation of the sons of God when you come back and you receive your inheritance, the full inheritance of a child of God, when the Son of God has his absolute full inheritance. And that is... You ready for this? I've been building up for it already. Radio show a glorified body that God has prepared for every person that will accept him in heaven. A brand new glorified body, the same body that Jesus demonstrated when he came to the earth after his crucifixion. When he rose from the dead, he had a glorified body. Look at what it says here. Well, how can you prove that, Brother Palmer? Well, it says, it says here that... Uh, Verse number 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. 
Amen. And then he talks about the Holy Spirit. I won't get into talking about because we just have a few minutes left on this broadcast. But it says here, For whom he did foreknow, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. So the Holy Spirit's job in this life, he's supposed to produce the image of his Son in your life. He's producing one of who Jesus is now in your heart. But guess what? It's not just the spiritual image that he's producing of his Son. He's also creating for you an exact likeness. The same body that the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, your brother in the Lord, the same one that came in human flesh, now he has a glorified body. You're going to take upon that body. It is awaiting for you. So Ignatius understood. Polycarp understood. Justin Martyr, he understood. Yes, I may die this death, but it shall last me but 15 seconds, and there will be a body that awaits for me that I shall one day put on and be like him. Hallelujah to Jesus. Friend, I got good news for you. There is an inheritance that awaits you and nobody, it doesn't matter if they're communists, it doesn't matter if they're tyrannical here, tyrants, they cannot touch that. It waits for you. That is the good hope of the Christian. So they may hate us. The world may reject us. The world may despise us. And we have to may suffer in this world. But guess what? You have something that God has for you as a reward of you being his child. He says, look what I have for you. I have a glorified body. I've prepared it for you. This is the hope of you as a child of God. In light of this, look, it says, whom he did foreknow, he predestined to be like his son. Now with this in mind, verse 29 in mind, it says here, what shall we say then to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? He that spared not Jesus but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also freely give us all things? Well, what do you mean all things? We already have sonship. Well, how about a glorified body? Why wouldn't he give us that? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God? Lest? It is God that justifies. Look at verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yet rather is risen again, who is at the right hand making intercession from you. And who is going to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, which means death, or famine, or nakedness, or peril. Now watch this. This is powerful. Keep in mind, he's saying, what shall separate us from Christ? And he says in verse 36, he gives an example. For thy sake, your sake, Lord, we're killed all the day long. He says, we're counted as sheep to the slaughter. People that are under persecution. Men like Ignatius. But... Verse number 37, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. You mean in death we're conquerors? Yeah, you better believe it. For I'm persuaded that death, nor life, nor angels or principalities, those are spiritual things, powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing that can be measured with science or nothing that can be measured with uh, subatomic science and quantum theory or whatever nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why is that? Why can nothing separate us? Well, 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 let me show you. Let me show you. We're getting to the end of this. First Peter chapter 4 and verse number 13. Verse number 12. Beloved, think you not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you shall be glad with exceeding joy. When will you be glad? 
with exceeding joy after you suffer. No, 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 no. We're not talking about sickness and disease right here. We're talking about persecution. We're talking about undergoing persecution. That's when the joy manifests, when you have that glorified body. It says here, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy begot us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Where is the hope? It's in the resurrection. What, what do we have to be hopeful in the resurrection? To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away for you, reserved in the heaven. It says, who are kept until that time by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Guess what? I know I said it quick. But you have a glorified body, an inheritance that is uncorruptible, undefiled, that is stored away for you in heaven. If you believe tonight that Jesus died, if you believe tonight that he is the first fruit of them that believe. Friend, you don't just accept Jesus in this life so that you can have every day be good. So that every day can be sunny and every day can be bright. Circumstantially. Because the circumstances will oftentimes be against you. They won't be the ones that you'd pick. But if the hope is in your heart, then every day can be bright. If the hope is in your heart, then every day can be joyful. You have his power. You have his spirit. Yeah, you got the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. He's in you. And every time it gets tough, he draws a picture for you of what you have waiting for you. So when you see... The heathen prospering. You see them gloating their fame, being boastful in their sin, and mocking the believer. You can be confident and know that there's a hope that you have. Now, you should pray for them, of course. Believe God for them, because they'll spend eternity in hell. Brother, I don't like that you say that people are going to hell. They are. And I say it humbly and I say it with fear because I know that if it wasn't for His grace and it wasn't for a willing vessel to preach to me about His grace. I still remember Tom Elmore, I was 13, preached to me the gospel. Tears coming down my face came up to that altar, gave my heart to Jesus. I felt that a weight had lifted off of me you know what? I felt that a thousand scrub brushes could not have made me clean. And yet, in that instant, when I gave my heart to this unknown being that I knew loved me, this unseen being that I knew loved me, I felt clean. And then I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit not too long after. began to pray in other tongues. And I felt not just clean, but now empowered. My life has made sense. I live every day with purpose. I live every day with power. But more importantly than all those, I live every day with love. And you know what? Even when things don't go right, and even when I have to appeal to mystery as to why certain things happen, I do know this, that in Jesus Christ, and not in anybody else, not in any other religion, not in any other hope, only in Jesus Christ, has he made me free? Do I have this hope that I will one day receive a glorified body and I shall rule and reign as he is? Whatever quadrant of the universe he puts me over, 
whatever He assigns me to in eternity. There will always be thankfulness in my heart because the hope that I have is in Him. Friend, if you're listening tonight, maybe you're on drugs or alcohol, maybe you are addicted to something, maybe you're depressed, maybe you're thinking about ending it before. Uh, I just feel the anointing right now. Maybe you're thinking about ending it uh, before Christmas or before the holiday season. I don't want you to do that. I want you to consider that there is one who loved you and gave himself for you so that you could be like him. So that you could take the robe of depression and fear. And, you know, someone you're listening, you don't see your kids ever. You don't see them. Uh, You think your kids are going to think you're a failure. And you're dealing with shame. My heart goes out to you tonight, friend. And I want God to turn that around. And I'm going to pray for you. I want you to give your heart to Jesus first. Say, Jesus Christ, I believe you died. You rose again. You suffered a bloody death on Calvary. I believe you're the way, the truth, the life. I believe you came in the flesh as the Son of God. And Lord, save me from my sin. Clean me. From years and years of drug, alcohol abuse, or whatever you're in, you just name it. And I give my life to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be my Savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Father, every person tonight, I just feel the peace of God on this broadcast. I feel that you're pleased with your word and your plan. You're so pleased with your plan. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak the anointing of God over he or her that listening to my voice right now. I command their situation to change. I speak to torment and suffering and just the hatred of themselves and their life. I command it to leave. I command you turn the situation around. I command them to be the man or woman of God in Jesus Christ that you've called them to be. Send them, Father, people and laborers along the way that can pastor them, that can minister to them, and that can be a blessing to them. Father, I rebuke every lie of the devil. I command them to leave and to loose them now in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for peace. I pray for joy. And I pray this Christmas, this holiday season, this Thanksgiving, that you bless them and that you do something new in their family. In the for I have called you to live life in the Spirit. I have called you to make Jesus your Lord. And as you walk in the Spirit, and as you live under His Lordship, you will see your life change, and you will see purpose be fulfilled, that deep purpose that you are called to serve. As a part of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some of you say, what was that tongue that you just did? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that there's such a thing as tongue and interpretation. I gave the tongue. I gave the interpretation. It's just as supernatural as a gift of healing. And you can have it today too. If you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you just say, Holy Spirit, baptize me. Fill me afresh. Fill me anew. Touch me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God bless you, friend.
Listen, I want to let you know. We appreciate you at the Transforming Truth broadcast. We will be, we will be next. Let me see, let me see. Actually, this, now that I think about it, this is the one-year anniversary of the Transforming Truth broadcast. I didn't even know that when I got on. This is our one year. So thank you as a special thanks uh, for partnering with us, making one year of Transforming Truth a success, and we'll be on another year. So you have 52 more broadcasts coming at you. So thank you. So if you want to partner with this broadcast, you say you want to be a part, or you want us to maybe say, I want them to be on the air more, well then let us know. Send us you know, a note, send us an email. And, uh, of course, it takes contributions. You know, send us your contributions, and it will be a blessing to get on the air more here in Detroit. As I said, we'll be doing more events coming up uh, in the metro Detroit area in 2014. Get excited. We're going to send out evangelism teams. God even told me at our next event, send out two evangelism teams. So uh, God bless you. I love you. Uh, info at chrispalmerministries.com. If you want to email us, if you accepted Jesus tonight, email me, and we'll get you plugged into a great church. God bless you. And remember, your inheritance that you have is now, but you might have to suffer in this life for his name's sake. But guess what? There is one undefiled, reserved for you in heaven. I love you. I'm honored you listened. God bless you, friend. And I will talk to you next week.